dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. All great leaders are capable of casting a vision, but casting a vision is not easy to do. To have a vision towards a goal means you need to want that goal. And sometimes our hearts are just afraid to stretch out into the unknown and into the unforeseen. The grace of God can help us to heal and to have the daring we need to want things we don't yet have. And when we do, we become leaders of the heart. St. Thomas Aquinas helps us understand this process and how we can actualize it in our own lives as leaders today. Well, hi, everybody. I'm glad to be back with you and another chance to go deeper in Aquinas. Hope you're enjoying this series. This is our third now. And I wanted to go back with this third one into the very heart of the matter. What we're trying to understand is how we make good decisions as leaders, right? And so we know that leaders need to make those decisions. Then we looked also and said that leaders need to be able to make the decisions with clarity, right? And justify them. And that we need to take counsel as we we do so. But we've left kind of the, the, the basic question still unanswered. How do I start the whole process off? I mean, where does it all originate? And St. Thomas Aquinas is the guy we're kind of like looking at here. He was a a Dominican philosopher from the 13th century, the 1200s. But he looked into the scriptures and drew out from the scriptures a certain intelligibility, an order, right? A logic that helps us to see the wisdom that God gives us to help us to lead today. Okay, and so he does this in, you know, in accordance also with philosophy and with natural reason and all these. He was a very brilliant guy. And so I wanted us to, you know, we could look at the Bible directly, but we could also look at the Bible through the great mind that Thomas Aquinas was. And when we do that, boy, we see some amazing wisdom there. One of the things that Aquinas says is that all acts of leadership, are, which all decisions that we make as leaders, they come from our ability to have a true intention. Okay, so that sounds really technical, but if we break the word down into its etymology, it actually makes a lot of sense, right? To intend means that the word intend, it comes from the Latin root for ten or T-E-N, and it literally means to stretch, right? To stretch towards something. To intend something means to stretch towards a thing, right? So how is it that I go out of myself, so to speak, to want something? Right? So a little child in a candy store, they're going to be walking down the aisle and then they see, ah, a pack of apple sour now and laters, right? <laughs> Which is always one of my favorite ones. If you remember now and laters, what a great candy that was, right? And so that, and the child sees it and suddenly that now and laters belongs to him, right? He wants it. It's like part of his being. And when he goes and asks his mother, can I have the now and laters? And she says, no, he bursts out into tears as if he's suddenly wounded. <laughs> You're like, how did this happen? I mean, is this the pack of now and laters on the shelf? Well, it's that he allowed himself to want that now and later. So he stretched forth from what was inside of him towards that thing. And they found, they, you know, they created a bond. 
I mean, and this, this ability to bond is, is a foundational aspect of what's successful in a person. A great leader will have the ability to bond with things that aren't inside of them, that are outside of them. They're going to want to get to the top of a mountain just because they see it. Remember that famous quote by Edmund Hillary? They asked him, the first man to climb up Mount Everest. They said, why did you climb Mount Everest? And he said, because it was there. Well, that's kind of a phenomenal ability to stretch forth, you know, from where you are to the top of Mount Everest just because you see it. Well, I mean, if a, if a man could do that, he could do anything. Well, exactly, right? And, and if a man can't do that, well, then there's very few things he can do. I mean, if you can't love, well, you won't be able to act. Action on the outside, engaging our faculties, right? Engaging our muscles, but also engaging our faculties, our, our talents and our skills, Action itself is, is the product of the will. And the will is this stretching forth of yourself towards another as if it belonged to you, as if it was part of your own flourishing, right? So, so really the will has its deep origins in your own sense of yourself and your self-worth, Right? So this is why it's so important for us to love infants and to hold infants and to rock infants. And we can say to ourselves, well, gosh, it's almost like the whole world's about that infant. Well, it is. Because what you're doing is you're pouring into that infant a love that is completely, you know, for its own sake. And loving that child for its own sake teaches the child that it is lovable for its own sake. Right? Well, someone who thinks that they're lovable, thinks that they're good, is going to try to flourish. In other words, why wouldn't the world want more of me, <laughs> right? Like, it, it, of course, we, we applaud that. We love these little four-year-olds and five-year-olds, you know, who are just so full of gumption and they, they can't wait to accomplish great things. It's a sign of health. It makes us smile. And, and we, we love to applaud them and we cheer a child on as they grow and develop into their life because a person should feel like they, they deserve to shine their light in this world, that they are a gift from God for this world, right? Well, then what, when does that stop for us? Well, you know, where, where, why is it that many of us don't do that? Who got into our Garden of Eden, right, and told us that we were naked, so to speak, using the, the analogy from the book of Genesis, right? Who, who brought shame into our life about who we are? I don't know, but for a lot of us, we suffer from that because something happens when we turn into adulthood and suddenly we no longer want what's really good for ourselves. From our eating to our, the way we decorate our apartments or our homes to our friendships to our personal habits. I mean, a healthy person, a leader, will be somebody who is, is unimpaired in their ability to say, I want this thing. But there's a lot of people whose ability is d deeply impaired, deeply wounded to say that. Well, to the degree that you can't say you want a thing, you won't be impactful in your life. It's just a sad story, right? And we want Jesus to heal that. We want God to heal that. But we're like, we need to cooperate in that healing. And it's by identifying it in ourselves and saying, wait a second, whose lie have I believed that somehow said, I don't deserve to exist. I don't deserve to be present in my workspace. I mean, my gosh, why aren't I working at the best of my abilities? Oh, well, because it's this, because, wait a second, what kind of excuse is that? You know what I mean? Like when you're not working at the best of your abilities, you know what's happening? You're actually depriving yourself of the joy of working and of the satisfaction, the pride that you deserve to have as somebody who works and who produces things. 
I mean, so, so, I mean, when you have a lack of engagement in your staff and lack of engagement in your workers, the people that suffer the most from it are the workers themselves. So, I mean, it's, let's wait a second. Like every time that I don't love or I don't allow myself to stretch out from myself, the person that's being affected the most is me. All right. So, yeah, of course, it also affects the workplace and it's a problem for management and all this. But all of that stems back to the fact that deep down inside, why don't you want to be the best version of yourself? Why don't you want to live the best life that you can live? Who is it that convinced you that mediocrity was safer and that safety and security were a better object for your life than greatness and happiness? and expansiveness because something happened when you're a normal as a normal child developing you want things right why don't you want life now well i mean and, and so there's many reasons for that we don't have to get into them here but what saint thomas aquinas way back when taught us is, is very important because if i'm going to tend towards another stretch out towards something else want something for myself it's got to start with an understanding that I am good and that whatever I'm going to attain will build me up. And so a lot of the healing of the will happens by receiving the deep love of God for us even more profoundly inside. And if we're dealing with someone who's struggling there, it's by giving love to them and appreciation that we can help them to unfold who they are and show who they are in a, in a more beautiful way. And this is just the beginning of what Thomas Aquinas teaches us. There's many more things to follow. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So we're looking at what Thomas Aquinas, a Dominican Catholic priest, wrote, you know, as he distilled what he found in God's word about how we come to making decisions. Right? And he puts all of this in what a book he calls the Summa Theologica, right? And we're looking at the first part of the second part of the Summa, question 12. Okay? And he's looking, what is, does it mean to intend something? It's a really profound question. And a really good one because what he's really doing is he's looking at our ability to stretch out of ourselves and go after things. Right? And he actually says that that ability, there's three kinds. He calls it the will, right? The will. And he says there's three actions that the will does. The first is the will has pure volition. All right? And he says what the volition is, is a natural capacity that's inside of you to want what is good. And there he says you really can't get around it. Even if you do things that are bad and you know that they're bad, you're doing them because you think doing the bad thing is good. <laughs> okay, he's like, there's a foundational law in us that we always are going after something that we think is good. Anytime you want anything at all, it's because it's, it's presented to you and your mind has somehow seen that this is a good thing, even if it's not, but it, you can be deluded, but you're going to always orient yourself towards what is good. Volition is just, if you're alive and you're awake, then you have an order towards what is what you think is good, okay? The second act of the will, he calls it fruitio, right? Or enjoyment. Fruitio is in Latin. 
And it means to enjoy something. And it's where you have something for its own sake and you connect to it for its own sake, not for the sake of anything else. You kind of rest in it. Like enjoyment is the relationship you have with your pillow. <laughs> if you like your pillow, that you'd be like, you're not using your pillow for anything else. You just love that thing. You put your head in it and you enjoy your pillow. You enjoy your couch. You enjoy a movie. You enjoy a milkshake. You, know, you enjoy something, which means that you just connect with it and you take its goodness for what it is. You enjoy it. You rest in that goodness. Well, the third act of the will is one we're looking at today, which is intention. And what do you do by intention is where you see something as a good that is worthy of action. Okay, intention is the source of practical action, which is why for us who are looking at leadership especially, we need to make sure that the, our act of intention is healthy. Right? And if we can inculcate a healthy intentionality within our, our people that we're, you know, we're, we're trying to inspire, or trying to lead from our children to our spouses, right, whatever it might be, we'll, we'll, we'll be a good leader because we'll be inspiring action by our own actions. Okay? Always remember what leadership is all about. You're trying to influence the world by passing on a spirit Leadership is not about commanding and having people execute what you command. I mean, that's part of it, right? But that's kind of the shell of leadership. The heart of leadership is where you, your spirit touches the spirit of another and where your life brings out the life of another. Well, to do that, of course, your actions need to also spark actions from them that are really authentic, that they own. Now, now, I mean, gosh, if you could leave behind yourself a legacy of people who have been actuated, right, by you, have been, who've been lit a fire by you in a good way, right, like, who have passed into actions because of you, I mean, you, you'll be a happy person and you'll live a real deep legacy behind. But that all starts with this action inside of your own heart, your ability to see something else as belonging to your fulfillment, and submitting yourself to its attraction. The sign of an intention is someone who's attracted, right? Not, of course, just in a passionate way by, you know, you see a glass of orange juice and you say, oh my gosh, I want to drink that orange juice. Okay, but that's an attraction. It's a type of intention. Okay, fine. And it's towards something that's totally sensitive and sensible. Well, it's fine, but it also passes as soon as you've drunk the orange juice. Then you want another glass, right? Because it's, it's over. But there's something that's more profound that we could also have, which is an attraction towards something that is spiritual, something, a truth, a goodness in something that's worth sacrificing for. And of course, so you can look at this in terms of our jobs and say, well, where is our, our intention focused with respect to our work? Of course, it's, respect, it's focused on our you know, profit and on the product that we create. Well, that's, that's fine. But you see, like if you only have that, then as soon as you've made that profit or as soon as you've gotten your paycheck, your allegiance to your work also will die down. Aren't we looking for something more profound than that? How do we get to, to workers who work not just for the paycheck, but because of the paycheck? You see, there's a, there's a difference there. If I work for the paycheck when the paycheck is given to me, well, then I've checked out. And I don't necessarily care about the cleanliness of my workspace. I don't really care about the morale of my teammates. I might even step on them in a competitive way. All that creates a degenerate culture. I, a good and healthy culture is one where I'm working because of the paycheck. Meaning the paycheck allows me to stay there, <laughs> but I'm there because of something greater. 
It's but my belief in the purpose of what I'm doing, if I have a blessing of, of being able to see that, right? But it's also because I intend by this work to reach a personal fulfillment. I, my work itself is making me a better person. And, and I'm able to deploy my gifts and my energies in a way that's appropriate to me that allows me to flourish. I'm happy as a worker. So a lot of people say, well, Father, that's impossible. You know, this and that. It's like, well, if it's impossible, you need a new job, <laughs> right? Like if you got to change your job, change your job. But Mike, why would you do something for eight hours a day that actually isn't part of your personal fulfillment? I mean, if you, if you need to find something that aligns better with your skill set if you're in order to find that fulfillment. But my goodness, that get busy about it because when you're eight hours a day, what is that? That's half of your waking life. <laughs> okay? Like, you, you, this is not something you should toy with. This is something you should embrace. And we were in management or our leaders in the workspace. Our duty, especially as Christians, is to create a workspace that points our people towards that fulfillment. That's, of course, safe. That's, of course, encouraging. That's, of course, one, but also one that allows them to develop themselves as people. And that means one in which we summon their personal intention, right? And, and, and so as we ourselves are saying, we want this because it helps us to grow as human beings and to be fully alive as people. Well, in the same way, we're going to create a culture that induces our people to want to work for greater purposes, to want to enjoy what they're doing, to see a sense of true meaning in what, in what they're all about. And in a sense, maybe it's not in the product itself, but in the, in the process of making it, where they are being able to grow in who they are. That's our obligation as a leader. And that's all because of this phenomenon that we don't just want executors, we want people of volition. We want people who engage in what they do. And that means we need to help them to intend properly towards their end. I want to get more precisely into this because Aquinas really unpacks us in a beautiful way. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. All right, so let's try to get into this a little bit more deeply. I mean, when, when you really come down to it, what we're looking at here and by, by creating an intention is our ability to want what is authentically good. Right, our ability to want what is authentically good. And that means that my intention is not just an act of the heart. It's actually, first of all, an act of my reason, my understanding of the world to identify a certain activity, right, as being something that will authentically make me flourish. Right? So we started that that begins with a sense of self and a, a true and healthy self-love, but then it extends to say, you know, it's not just a self-love is not just a matter of me accepting who I am now. It's accepting who I am now in the light of what I could be. And this is where really our job as a leader, like especially if you're a parent, right, or, or a spouse, it's, it's to reveal to the one that you love, not only that they're good as they are, but everything that they could be. 
I mean, when you really get you're around someone who inspires you, for example, isn't that the power of inspiration? When someone inspires you, it's almost like they see into your soul a greatness that you don't even see. We walk around thinking that we're, you know, we're at our max or that we're all you know, tapped out or that we've reached the limit of our maturity. And then we meet someone who opens depths to us that we never knew were even there. That, 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 and that's the role of a Christian leader. Because when we see our people, right, especially if, you know, the closer they are to us, like our friends or our spouses or our children, I mean, they're, man, our job is to show them themselves in the light of God. What if I could, by my love, my attention, my work with you, my relationship with you, help you to realize that, I mean, like your true end is only going to be found in heaven. Your, your true glory, but I see that glory in you now. I mean, you'd be able to take people who are in very desperate situations, very dark worlds, and bring them out of it. Isn't this what the power of someone like Mother Teresa, right? When they looked at what Mother Teresa did, she would go to the poorest of the poor who were in desperate situations, and she would, by simply showing them love, make them awaken to something that was bigger than them, better than them. And the stories of the conversions that come out from that situation, or, or think about conversions that happen in prison, by someone who visits them and shows them that they're greater than what they think that they are, right? It's like this awakening of the will. Well, that, that's the beauty of a leader. An inspirational leader will awaken in that person, in any person, the, the fact that they, they need to stretch beyond where they are because they want to. That their true self, their, their true depths are found on the other side of love, of desire, of wanting and of wishing. So you know, a big part of what we have to do, therefore, is we've got to make wishing and wanting safe again. There's, there's a lot of people that, I mean, it's amazing. For being in a country like ours where we have so many possibilities, isn't it amazing that our people seem to want so little? And I think part of it is there's a social pressure that's on us, you know, it says, like, stay where you are, you know. It's like the trees in a forest. They all grow to about the same height. And it's the height of their competition. And as long as we have, we're, we're with the pack, then we're going to be safe. Yeah, I know, but you might be safe, but you might not be yourself, right? The, who is it that you're responding to? Is it, are you responding and just the people around you? Are you being judged by the people that are around you? Well, if you are, then as long as the people around you say you're okay, then you're okay. That's a pretty poor judge of yourself, I mean, there's another one that we could be awakened to, namely Jesus. Imagine if Jesus was our judge, right? Just imagine if in our life, we're like, the one that I'm answering to is my God. <laughs> well, you know what you would do? I mean, you, you wouldn't stop growing. You would have an intention towards his vision for yourself that would allow you, well, to develop, to grow, to deepen. And a true friend in your life is someone who's going to accompany you in your growth. I mean, you know, when we look at the lives of the saints, for example, I mean, they never stopped growing. They were always, like their death for, you know, for so many of them, you see them witnessing their death almost like as if like their soul was just like too big for their body. Like they, they wanted to go to heaven where life would be even more full. There's a lot of us that don't even want to go to heaven because we think it's going to be boring. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the heaven is not going to be boring, everybody. Heaven is going to be the fullness of life. 
You need to intend that, and that within the light of that love for heaven, for glory, for God, for the fullness of yourself, it, Aquinas says that's the same intention that then you can take towards all of the means to that end. That's a really important point. He says in the Summa here that the, the same love that you have for the end goal will also be the love that you take into every step towards that goal. That's why it's so important to aim high, to aim up, to shoot for the stars, to shoot for God, right? Because as high as you aim with the deep aspiration of your life, that's the same passion that you'll take into every of the small actions that you do every single day. So this means, of course, in our workspace, man, a saint would transform that workspace. <laughs> Someone who really believed that they were there for God, I mean, suddenly, like, everything that they do just takes on, like, this a real personal characteristic. I mean, and I'm not saying that, you, I mean, you can overdo it. You, you got to respect where you are and respect other people and everything. But, man, at the same time, to be fully alive, wouldn't it be amazing to be fully alive at your workspace? To say that the reason I'm here is because I want to do a good job as the, with the same desire as I want to be with God. I mean, you, are, you just, if nothing else, you'd have someone that's fully alive. And that's what we're supposed to be. Leading with the heart means allowing your heart to lead. <laughs> and loving your heart to lead means allowing your heart to want, to desire, to go after things that are beyond you. What is it that's holding you back? Who told you that you weren't supposed to be at the top of the mountain? Who convinced you that you were made, you know, to stay still? I mean, a lot of us don't, it's like, I, I wish that all of us, by encountering Christ, would just allow his love for us to, to reawaken and rekindle the deep fire of our soul. Man, that I'm not made to just stand still. That I'm, I'm made to give myself and pursue things that allow me to grow. That's the greatness of the Christian message. And my friends, I mean, we live in a world that just seems to think that Christianity is, 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 has exhausted its truth. It's so far from it. Christianity will have exhausted its truth only when its truth reaches to heaven. Because when, when each one of us absorbs the message of Christ, we're absorbing a message that's intended to bring us to the fullness of life by resurrecting the deep aspects of who we are and putting them into engagement. A Christian should be setting a fire to his or her world because a Christian has the fire of heaven burning in their heart. And, and Jesus wants to give us this. If you haven't been loved, if you don't love yourself, if you feel like you're guilty of all kinds of things, turn to the Savior. Let his love for you define your love for yourself. And in the light of that love for yourself, go after the things that you know will bring you the happiness that you desire. Have an intention in your life. Lead with the heart, and your heart will lead you. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org and visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.